Second Peter is where we're going to go for a few minutes. I want you to get your Bible and go to Second Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Second Peter, by the way, is a book encouraging the newly founded church to grow. Somebody say grow. It is time to grow. The Apostle Peter concludes this second epistle, verse number 18, saying this, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. And he said, Amen. And I would like us to join our voices with the Apostle and also say, Amen. Amen. And may his word be fulfilled today. And may the purpose for which it is sent, may it be accomplished. What a sad thing for the word that God has sent to our hearts to be returned to him, saying, return to sender. I believe God sends us a letter every time we hear the word. Do we receive it? Do we even open up? Was anybody even home? Whatever God has intended today, let it happen. Let it be done. So be that. Amen. Folks, there are three cycles in life. Number one, it is birth. Number two, there is the growth cycle. And finally, the final stage of the life cycle is, strangely enough, death. Three cycles in our physical life. Birth, growth, and death. Now, I know you just put that in her mouth, but I got to have my new grandbaby. Can I see this? Awesome miracle of God. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Come here, baby. What a matter. Hey, hey, can you just let me talk to you a minute? I mean, look, we got this. Can you see this? Can you see this? This is. <laughs> if we win any money for that, it's going to go for missions. <laughs> well, you feel better? Look at this. She just born a, a month ago, a month and a couple days. And already she's growing. I mean, already. How much, how much weight has she gained, Mom? Pound and a couple ounces, something like that. And remember that she loses a little weight after she's born, right? So she's really, she likes to eat. She's just like her daddy. I mean, she likes to eat. She's growing. Why? She was designed to grow. She was born. 
thank God she was born, by the way. Is it okay if I just give God thanks again that she was born, that you did conceive, that you did carry fully to term a child, a blessing from the Lord? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Pastor Moses and Jamie struggled. All right, all right, baby, I love you. I just want you to know. My brown grandbaby here. Now she got the hiccups. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Life, it's the cycle. You're born, you grow. And at some point, unless the trumpet sounds, which I believe is going to happen for me. Oh, there was a good opportunity right there, but I'm gonna move on. Then we die. There's the cycle, folks. I think of when we became pregnant, I say we, <laughs> with Daisy. We thought we were done. We had already talked about it. Yeah, we're done. We've got, we've got two. We've got a boy and a girl. So if we go to the amusement, here's our philosophy, here's our, our rationale. If we go to the amusement park, we can all have, you know, we can have partners. There won't be an odd man out. All the while we're having this conversation, Karen is pregnant with Daisy. We were in Chicago. It's a hard pregnancy. It was hard from the beginning all the way through. It was really hard on Karen. Very difficult. And she was rushed to the hospital. And it was, uh, well, I don't remember which hospital, but it was a... Uh, which one? Evans, yes. Learning hospital, a lot of students there. And so, um, you know, they're practicing physicians, right? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and they were practicing on Karen. And they said, well, it looks like you've miscarried, Mrs. Bland. Yep, all signs tell us that you have miscarried. And if you want, we could actually schedule the DNC right now and we'll just take you upstairs and course you know you've got a process so Karen said I think I'll wait and then I'll go to my doctor and I'll schedule the procedure so she comes out of the doctor's office and I'm she tells me the news and I'm we're devastated we're devastated we'd already miscarried once lost our first pregnancy and what a blow that is if you've ever miscarried a child or know somebody close to you that has and chances are you do know somebody close because it's very common. It's, it's a hard thing because God gives life and you celebrate life. You celebrate birth. We mourn the loss of our baby. People sent us flowers. My boss gave me days off, all thinking Karen had miscarried the baby. She schedules an appointment with her doctor she goes in and the doctor says, well, you may have miscarried, but you may still have a viable pregnancy. Let's run a few more tests. Ran a few more tests, and the tests come back, you're still pregnant. And all of a sudden we went from birth to death back to life again. Now she struggled with that pregnancy. We ended up 
transitioning in the, in the middle of the pregnancy and, and moving to a faraway country called California. <laughs> and we delivered that baby at Long Beach Memorial. And Daisy is our miracle baby. And I'll never, I'll never forget the miracle. Oh, you're a miracle baby too. Yep. <laughs> hey, he's just testifying. I love it. Go ahead and testify. Tell what God has done. Three cycles in physical life, birth, growth, death. Two cycles in spiritual life. I want you to hear this today. It is birth and growth. Birth and growth are the two cycles in spiritual growth. In the spiritual life, excuse me. You're never intended to die spiritually. I'm not intended to die spiritually. Now, unfortunately, you probably know just like I, do, I know of those who were born spiritually. They grew some spiritually, but at some point their growth was stunted. They stopped growing, and in fact, they died spiritually, and they're no longer serving Christ. Does anybody know anybody like that? I have family members like that. I know people like that. They were a Christian. They were followers of Christ. But they got hurt. They got confused. They were, they were misled, whatever it is. They stopped growing. They stopped. They started critiquing and criticizing and murmuring and complaining, and they stopped growing. Folks, we're intended to be born spiritually and to grow spiritually. Are you growing? John 1 and verse 12 says, But as many as received him, Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but they were born of God. Do I have anybody here who are the children of God, sons of God, daughters of God? You have been given the right to become the children of God. We're adopted into the greatest family that ever was, that ever will be. We are of royal lineage. Royal blood now runs through our veins. Nicodemus in John chapter 3 was a bit confused about all of this born again talk. We have our own little lingo, don't we, Christians? We call it Christianese. We talk about being blessed, highly favored. We've got all kinds of vocabulary that the world just kind of scratches their heads and they don't know what we're talking about. Born again is, is one of those phrases. Now, sadly, some of our churches, because people are confused about the terminology, born again, for instance, they want to take that out and they want to rephrase things. I don't think we ought to take anything out that is in the Word of God in the Bible. How, how many are with me so far? I think it's very dangerous when we start manipulating the Bible in order to be culturally relevant. I don't care about being culturally relevant. I want to be biblically relevant. The Bible talks about being born again. People may be confused about the terminology, but Jesus made it clear to Nicodemus, and it is our responsibility to make it clear to others who may be confused. That's all. 
don't take it out just because it's, some people think it's overused and it's Christianese. It is the Word of God, and if we will speak the Word of God, God will honor His Word, and He will anoint His Word, and people's lives will be changed. Come on now. Nicodemus was confused about the, the, this process of spiritual birth and being born again, but Jesus made it crystal clear to him. Listen to the words out of John chapter 3, starting with verse number 3. Jesus answered to Nicodemus and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, there it is, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Maybe Nicodemus was trying to be a little clever here. Maybe Nicodemus was trying to be a little cute here. I don't know. Maybe he was being a little sarcastic and facetious here. Jesus saw through it and he said, most assuredly, I say to you again, unless one is born of water, there's the physical birth, a woman's water breaks. Born of water, that's the physical birthing process. And it says, born of the Spirit. Look at that, verse number five. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. Is that what the Bible says? That which is born of the flesh, it is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit, it is spirit. Do not marvel that I said this to you. You must be born again. There it is again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell from where it comes and from where it goes. So it is with everybody who is born of the Spirit. Being born again, folks, is what separates the gospel from religion. You know, it just irks me a little bit. When I have to put down on some application or some form my religion, because what I have is so far superior than any religion, it's hard to put it down on paper. What we have here is so far above religion. Ours is not a religion. Ours is a life-altering experience. Ours is, well, a relationship, a friendship if you will. Religion is man's effort to reach up to God. Religion is man's effort to reach up to God. For those of you who are taking notes, and how many religions do we see in our world today? There are hundreds, no, there are thousands of religions around the world Because ours is not a religion, ours is a relationship, ours is a friendship. And God says, I will love you, and I will help you, and I will show you the way to heaven. He does it through this book that I hold. But there are things in there that actually maybe assault our flesh and our, our selfish ways. Well... I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to do what you're asking me to do. And so we will either want to take from the word that which we like, or we want to add to the word to make it more appealing to us, more palatable. Folks, 
The Bible's very clear. We can't add to it and we can't take away from it. The Word of God is the Word of God. It's inspired by God. It's anointed by God. And we leave it alone. And we let it work. We let the Word of God work. And it does work. Religion is man's effort to reach up to God. Salvation, however, is God coming down to man and making him a new creation. Salvation is God coming down to man and making him a new creation. We have a, a serious, serious problem in our churches today. The problem is most churches have spiritual birth but no spiritual growth. The end result, sadly, is immature Christians or death, spiritual death, former Christians who are no longer following Christ. I thought it would be good to make this clear in the first service, and I think I'll make it clear here today as well. We believe at La Palma Christian Center that you can actually fall out of grace and fall away from the Lord, walk away from the Lord, and make choices that will lead you no longer to heaven. What I'm trying to say to you today is we do not believe that once you are saved, you are always saved. There are those in other denominations, they believe that once you're saved, you're always saved, and so there is this free pass to go and do anything and everything you want because you're under the umbrella of grace. I don't believe that. This church doesn't believe that. Our pastors here don't believe that. Our elders don't believe that. We believe that as long as you are in grace and you are in Christ and you are attached to the vine, then you get all the nutrients from the vine. But when you choose to leave the umbrella of grace, then don't, don't cuss God because you're getting wet out in the rain. Not when he says, I've got this umbrella here, and as long as you stay under this, I will protect you, I will keep you, I will redeem you and restore you, I'll be a refuge for you, I'll be a shelter for you. But we want our own way. We are willful and selfish, and we get out in the rain, and we wonder why we're getting wet. Did I make that clear enough for everybody? Today, folks, I want to start a series, Growing in God. Growing in God. We will spend the next several weeks learning how we can grow in God. Remember the cycle? It's birth and then growth. How many would say today, I have been born again. I'm a follower of Christ. I have been saved. It's time to grow. Come on and look at your neighbor. Tell him it's time to grow. Come on, look at somebody else. Tell him grow up. Say it with love. Grow up. Thank you, Stacy. I, I received that. It is time. It's time for me to grow. I need to grow. I want to grow. But I don't want to grow by myself. I want to grow with you. It's like Karen. I, I want to grow old with her. <laughs> it's happening right before your eyes, isn't it? Karen and I are growing old right before your eyes. 
We've been here almost 11 years. Next month will be 11 years for us. Amazing. I don't want to grow old with anybody else. So it is spiritually. I want to grow with you. We want to grow with you. How do we grow in God? Well, my focus today is growing in grace. We'll start there. This is the title of the message, Growing in Grace. So let me tell you, first of all, what growing in grace is all about. What is growing in grace? I think sometimes in order to answer what something is, we need to clarify what something is not. So let me just tell you a, a couple of things what, uh, what, what growing in grace is not. It, it's not becoming more saved than at the moment of conversion. When you find Christ, you are 100% saved. You are completely saved at that moment. Nothing else needs to be done. Once you ask God to forgive you, he will forgive you. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of how much? Come on, somebody say all. The Bible says all unrighteousness. I'm not talking, when I'm talking about growing in grace, I'm not talking about you becoming more saved. You're born again. You're completely saved. Stay that way. Stay that way. I'm not talking, when I say growing in grace, I'm not talking about you being more forgiven than at the point of your conversion. When God forgives us, he forgives us. And as I read in the scripture a little bit ago, as far as the east is from the west, that's a long way, so far has the Lord removed our iniquities and he takes our sin the forgiven sin, and they're cast into the depths of the ocean. And there they remain on the ocean floor. And the truth be told, if you were to ask God to forgive you for something that you already asked him to forgive you for, I think he might just shrug his shoulders and say, what sin? What sin are you talking about? You see, because when God forgives, he forgives us completely. And he said, the Bible says he forgives and he forgets. So I'm not talking about that. J.C. Ryle said these, these words, when I speak of growth in grace, I mean increase in the degree, size, strength, vigor, and power of the graces which the Holy Spirit plants in a believer's heart. Growth in grace is an increase in the degree, in the size, in the strength, in the vigor or vitality, and the power of the graces which the Holy Spirit has planted in the heart of every believer. Do you know that God has planted a garden inside of you? There is a wonderful garden from the Holy Spirit. Is it producing any fruit at all? Is there any fruit in God's garden? God has planted seeds in each and every person in this room. Are they growing? Is there any increase in the size, in the power, in the vigor, in the vitality of what God has planted in you? You know, there are expectations to growth. With our children, we're expecting them to grow. I, I'm not surprised at all, Pastor Moses, that 
little Isabella is growing. It's what she's supposed to do. My children are growing. Elliot and Butler and Daisy, they're growing. Daisy really has shot up this last year. It's amazing to me. I remember Elliot. He would come to me, and I was the, the measurement stick, if you will. He'd come up to me, and he'd be right here at my sternum, and then a little bit higher, and then right up here, and then at the chin, and he's just about to catch me. My brother-in-law, my sister, they have hash marks in the door frame of their pantry. And from five years old, maybe even, maybe even younger, all the way to current day, they have hash marks of their children and even our children as we go and visit every, every so often. And just seeing the growth in our children. They're growing because we're expecting them to grow. If they don't grow, there's a problem. We need to get to the hospital. We need to get to the doctor. There has to be something that fixes the reason for the, uh, the growth uh, process being stunted. We would instantly try to get this fixed, wouldn't we? Your child doesn't grow, you want to fix this. But yet we have a, a, a stagnation in spiritual growth and we do nothing about it. We have our friends and our family who aren't growing, and we see that, and yet we do nothing about it? Wow. You don't plant a flower unless you want it to bloom. You're expecting when you plant the tulip, for instance, for it to produce tulips. We have a neighbor just a few houses down. I don't know how she does it. Well, I do know how she does it. She works hard at it. But she has planted on both sides of her driveway uh, flowers that, depending on the season, are always producing flowers. It is amazing. And they are vibrant and full and just so varied. And I love to just walk by her house because of just what, all the hard work that she's put into these flowers. She's planted expecting growth. I think of the great oak trees and the grand maples right now that are just vibrant in color, alive with color of the fall in the Indiana and Ohio and all up the, the New England coast. They're growing. They're supposed to grow. You don't even have to travel to the Midwest to see God's greatness in the trees and the growth. Go to the Sequoia National Forest. How many have seen the great sequoias before? I just stood there with my mouth open. You can't even describe that. It's like you entered into a fairyland world. It is amazing how God did that. These groves of giant trees. I even just love to see the palm trees of Southern California. Watch the palm trees sway in the wind. Look at the silhouette of a palm in, in the, in the sun, uh, sunset hours of the day. The, the, the hues of the pinks and purples and oranges. Wow. They're doing what they're supposed to do. They're growing. A gardener must give constant care to ensure good growth. Believers must give constant care to ensure God growth. Folks, it's time to grow. It's time to grow. Peter grew. Peter went from a foul-mouthed fisherman. He went from backsliding to blessing. The Apostle Paul, before he was the Apostle Paul, he was Saul, the persecutor. 
He went from killing Christians to converting Christians. Paul went from the Damascus Road to the Romans Road. John was once known as the son of thunder, but he went from that to the disciple of love. Why? Because of growth, expected improvement, noted increase, advancement spiritually. Which leads me to my second question for you this morning. What is the proof of growing in grace? There should be evidence. Remember, you don't plant unless you're expecting fruit. I planted a strawberry plant. Didn't produce any fruit. But I found out that it usually doesn't the first year. It's got to get used to its environment, and its roots need to go down, and then it spreads out its foliage a little bit more and gets, it, get, gets ready for the produce that will come. You better know that next year around spring, I'm going to look for little strawberries to start growing, right? There has to be proof of growing in grace as well. Let me give you three. First of all, the first proof is an increase in love. We serve a God of love. The greatest commandment of all time, what is it? No, nope, it's not love your neighbor. The greatest commandment of all time is to love God. The second greatest commandment, whoever said love your neighbor, that's number two. Thank you. You're real close. Number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Verse two to the song goes like this. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. And oh, don't we love ourselves. Right? There should be an increase in love. 1 Thessalonians 3 and 12 says this. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love toward, another, toward uh, one another and to all just as we do to you. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 and 10, concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another, and indeed you do so toward all the brethren who are in all of Macedonia. Now look at this right here at the end of it. But we urge you, we beg of you, you should increase in this grace more and more and more. John 13, 35, it is by this all will know that you are my disciples. How? If you love one another. 1 John 3, 14 says, we know that we have passed from life to death because we love the brethren. And he who does not love his brother abides in death. Church, we cannot talk about growing in God when there's no increase in love. There's no change in love. If we have hatred, malice, bitterness, that's not proof of growing in God. That is a proof of, of, of stagnation or even a pulling back of growth, a stunting of growth. There's got to be an increase in love, love of God, love of others, and love of the lost. And if we don't have love, does anybody know what the Bible says about that? If you don't have love, you're actually nothing. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It is the chapter of love. 
I'll just read a couple of verses to you, starting with verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I do not have love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal, a lot of noise, and it's irritating. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and though I am able to understand all mysteries, and I have all knowledge, and I have the faith so great that I could move mountains, but if I do not have love, wow, I am nothing. It's time to grow and let God's love increase in us. There should be an increase in love. There should be an increase in faith. 2 Thessalonians 1, 3, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows increasingly, exceedingly, and the love of every one of you abounds toward each other. There's actually faith and love growing right there. But how about your faith? The faith to believe for anything. Faith that with God on your side... Everything is possible. With God on your side, you could do anything. Faith to believe that no matter what the doctor says, until God says, I'm going to hold out hope. Doctors are just doctors. They're practicing physicians. But we know the ultimate physician, the great physician. He's not practicing. Faith to believe for the impossible. Faith to believe for healing in your body. Faith to believe for miracles in your situation. Faith to believe for salvation in your family. Faith to believe for protection. Faith to believe for provision. Does anybody have faith that is growing and increasing more and more each day? This is how we know that somebody is growing in God. I went to visit John at the hospital. John O'Brien, by the way, had surgery for a tumor on his brain. And this happened on Thursday. And they, they tell us that they got all of the tumor. It was all con contained, and they got all of it. Is that right, Rose? I don't want to speak out of turn. Hallelujah. There's a reason for a little hallelujah right there. Amen. I mean, I love that, you know, when God goes in and gets it himself, I love that, and he does that. But sometimes he says, I'm going to let you lay there, and I'm going to be with the doctors. So he was with the doctor. Now, back up a week before he had the surgery, I walked in, and he was in the hospital, and somebody's on the phone. He's on the phone, and he's just, I mean, folks, I tell you the truth. As soon as I walked into the room, you could feel the Holy Spirit in the room. John's by himself, but he's on the phone and he's going, oh yes, oh yes. He starts speaking in his heavenly language. Oh yes, oh thank you Jesus. I felt the Holy Ghost come on me. I start mumbling under my breath. It's powerful. You know what happened? He was on the phone with somebody full of faith. Somebody full of faith that began to speak and declare and decree over his life what the Bible says and what God will do. Faith began to arise in him and faith began to arise in me. 
Give me to somebody. If I'm ever laying on my back and I've got a bad report from the doctor, give me to somebody full of faith. Somebody who's going to stand in the gap and believe for the impossible. I don't want somebody that just goes, oh, I don't know. Oh, that's a big, oh, that's the cancer. Oh, that's the big C word. And, uh, give me to somebody who says, devil, is that all you got? Do you know the God that I serve? Give me to somebody who has a little bit of faith because faith can make the mountains be removed and cast into the sea. Hallelujah. Is there any faith in you? And is your faith growing? Is your faith increasing? It's time to grow. It's time to grow. Our love needs to grow. Our faith needs to grow. And our knowledge needs to grow. Number three in the proof of growth is an increase in your knowledge. Let me ask you something. Do you know more about God today than the day you were saved? Oh, I hope so. Do you know more of God's Word today than the day you first found Him? I hope so. I gotta move on. Why didn't somebody wave at me or something? Colossians 1.10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and look at this, increasing in the knowledge of God. So it leads me to my final question for you this morning. How? How are we going to do this? How do we grow in grace? Five ways. First of all, right here. You want to grow up in God? You want to grow in the grace of God and in the knowledge of God? Here is the primary way that it will happen, that it can happen, that it should happen. It is by His Word. How many have your Bible with you today? I want to see it. Come on, was your Bible important enough to get and bring to the house of God? I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but I want to step on somebody's toes. For those of you who consider me to be your pastor, it is my privilege, but I gotta, I gotta press in on you every now and then. I can't just always give you the pats on the back. Church, is the word of God a priority to you? It's gotta be your priority. You need to read it every day without fail. Other things can go by the wayside. You can forget to do other things. But don't forget or neglect the Word of God. Read it. Study it. Memorize it. Delight in it. Apply it. Speak it. Quote it. Sing it. Think about it. It's the Word of God, church. It is how we will grow in God and grow in His grace. Number two, you may not like this one, but I feel I have to tell it to you anyway. How do we grow in grace? By trial, trouble, tribulation. That's not the fun way. I'll tell you, the fun way is just the Word of God. I love the Word of God. 
I love reading something I've read a hundred times and then all of a sudden God shows me something else and another side of it and another, another application to it. It excites me. I, I talked to Pastor Dave and Pastor Moses and all the other pastors. I, I just read this and God showed me. So I, it's exciting and I get to grow in that. Trouble, trial, tribulation. No thanks. But let's just be honest, that is a part of life. And so it will be a part of our growth. I don't like it, Paul, but I'll, I will say to you today that every trial that has come my way and every bit of trouble that I've had, as a follower of Christ, I've grown. God has caused me to grow through the trial and through the trouble and through the tribulation, and so he will for you. Number three, by private devotional life. This goes hand in hand with the Word of God, of course, but the Word of God is so uh, important that I want it to be a standalone. But your devotional time, privately, folks, that is what I'm talking about is studying the Word of God and reading on the Word of God. It is also your prayer time and communication with God. This needs to be fortified and this needs to be faithful. Everyday part of our life, we read the Word of God, we apply the Word of God, we talk to God, and we listen to God. And we do this every day, and we go to sleep, and we get up, and we do it again. Every day. This is our private devotional life, but also, number four, our public devotional life. Your public devotional life is what we are experiencing right now. It's corporate. It's church. What I'm speaking of here is our, our worship and our service. I promise you, if you want to grow in God, get involved in ministry in some way, and you'll grow. You will grow. You'll grow very quickly, because you will be so engrossed and, and immersed in helping somebody else and focusing on ministering to somebody else and serving somebody else that you're not so focused on yourself. If you're not involved, you will have a strong tendency to critique and actually criticize because somebody else is doing it. They're not doing it as well as you could. Somebody, I mean, it just goes on. It, it's, it's amazing. But if we're involved, we don't even see all these little things. How do we grow in God's grace? We grow by the word. We grow by trouble, trial, and tribulation. We grow by private devotional life. We grow by public devotional life. And finally, we grow by the fellowship of other believers. Number five, we grow by the fellowship of other believers. I want you to look around this room. We have married and single, Every decade, I, I think, probably represented here. Of course, our children are in the other room, but every shade of skin, we have male and female. We need one another. I need you, actually, to help me grow. You need that one sitting next to you. They will help you grow. Church, 
I think we as a church have several things that we're doing right and that pleases God and it's productive it's producing but I also believe that there are areas that are weak one of those weak areas is our area of growth our growth in God discipleship I believe that we need to be better and stronger in this area of discipleship. I believe we should be better in this area of discipleship. And I want to declare to you today that with God leading us and the Spirit helping us, we will be better in this area of discipleship. Because it's time to grow. time to grow in God. I'm excited to announce to you this morning a brand new ministry for La Palma Christian Center that we are going to launch in January of 2012, should the Lord tarry. The ministry that I speak of is life groups. Some call them home groups or small groups or cell groups. We're going to call them life groups because I believe they're going to bring new life to La Palma Christian Center. And I'm telling you folks, you better buckle your seatbelt because you have not seen anything yet. I think all that we have experienced is foundational to what God is about to do in our future. I will be unfolding to you and unpacking to you over this series and over the next several weeks what life groups is all about, what it means, what it's going to look like. But today, I simply want to plant a seed in you for our future together as a church, growing in God, growing in God's grace, becoming what God intended us to become, you, me, together. If you want to grow in God, I want to invite you to stand with me this morning. You desire to grow in God, to grow in God's grace. Stand. Why don't you just reach out and take somebody by the hand. Look at them. Tell them, I need you. Tell somebody, I need you. Will you help me grow? Roel, Lynn, I need you. Will you help me grow? I need you. Joe, I need you. You're more than a neighbor across my wall. Your trees look good, by the way. They trimmed her trees, and I have so much sunlight in my yard now. Joe, I need you beyond my neighbor across the wall. I need you to help me grow. Together, Floyd and Debbie, help me grow. Come on and tell somebody, help me grow. I need you to help me grow. Johnny, help me. God has something wonderful for this church. We've all known it for how long? We've seen little glimpses of it. We've, we've tasted samplings. 
But imagine when the banquet is unfurled for us and we fully see what God had up his sleeve, what God had in mind for this great congregation. Wow. Come on, lift that hand up now, Father. We come to you today as a congregation of believers, followers of Christ. We've been born again. We've been saved. We've experienced that first phase of the, the cycle of spiritual life. We've been born. And God, we, we are growing. But I pray, Lord, that our growth would be advanced now. Holy Spirit, get your miracle grow out. <laughs> Sprinkle it all over this room. I pray for such growth and the fruit that will come forth in the next months and years. Should the Lord tarry, let it astound us and let it astound others, God. Let us once and for all be all that you have designed us to be as a congregation of believers. We commit ourselves to you afresh and anew today. And we say, God, lead on and have your way in this place and in our lives. We pray it in Jesus' name and everybody said amen. 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 Hug on somebody's neck before you leave and tell them one more time, I'm so glad you're part of my life. Be with us back on tonight. Pastor Dave's going to bring us the word. It's going to be awesome.